The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout, heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Some of us have figured out that almost all American government must be avoided like the bird flu. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop. Ever. Until you are dead. That's why she exercised her option to escape. Learn to exercise your options and listen to the Suzanne Option exclusively on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade Channel. Courage sold separately. We made it to the end of another work week. Welcome to the Suzanne Option. I'm your host, Suzanne Sherman. You're listening to the Crusade Channel. We're part of the Veritas Radio Network Radio, the way it should be. The number here at the uh, Kia Studios West in the hinterlands of Utah is 8445-CRUSADE, 844-527-8723. We are live today, and we will be taking calls uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Cowgirl Esquire. You can also check out the VeritasRadioNetwork.com website. It has a lot of our information for all the shows. Also, you can go to my Facebook page. Leave me messages there as well. Suzanne Sherman. You'll see a picture of me there. Cowboy hat. And uh, Monticello behind me. We also have an app. So if you like what you're hearing and you want the easiest and most convenient way to listen to the Veritas Radio Network, then download our app in the Windows Phone App Store, the iTunes Store for iPhone and iPad, and the Google Play Store for Android devices. The app is just $1.99 and gives you fingertip access to the Crusade Channel live stream. The Crusade Channel's host bios, show times, Twitter, and Facebook feeds. And you get the all-new Crusade Channel preview feed, allowing you effortless playback of hours of your favorite Crusade content without ever having to leave the app. So, download our app today and please consider rating it as well. Our smartphone app delivers the Crusade Channel anywhere your mobile device works. The Veritas Radio Network app, radio the way it should be. 
Want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we have a couple of announcements to make. I want to thank our new founders member, James T. England. We really, really appreciate your support. As you guys know, we are listener and subscriber supported. Uh, you will get the truth, and uh, I, I appreciate you going to the extra effort. A lot of people just say, well, I've already got serious. I've already got news channels with my cable. And the sad thing is these guys are making a fortune, but they're not telling you the truth. So um, we're going we're gonna to get right into it. I have a very special guest here today. I came across his, uh, an article on, on, on the internet years ago, and it is called Why Surrender is Never an Option. And I, it really struck me because what it does is it, it tells you uh, the opposite of what a lot of information you get, which is when you are facing evil and somebody that is a threat to you and means you harm, that you should simply capitulate. Well, the author of that article happens to be a uh, neighbor of mine, so to speak, out here in Utah, and his name is Larry Mudgett. They have a self-defense school here, and it is called Marksmanship Matters. Larry, I want to welcome you on the Cowgirl Esquire guest hotline to the Suzanne option on the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be. How are you today? I'm fine, Suzanne, and I sure appreciate this opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. Well, we're delighted to have you. Um, I'm going to give my listeners an abbreviated bio of your credentials. They are long and extensive. Most notably, most notably, you are a highly decorated veteran. Um, no, you guys, guys don't like the word hero. Let me read from your webpage. You are an infantry light weapons sergeant in the 1st Air Cavalry Division in Vietnam, 67-68. Participated in numerous uh, battles. Tom Kwan, one of the t 10 bloodiest battles in the Vietnam War. Your decorations include the Bronze Star Purple Heart, Air Medal, Army Commendation Medal for Heroism, and a Combat Infantryman's Badge. You also served in LAPD for 35 years and were a member of the SWAT team for 14 years. You are also... Uh, studied extensively, were a good friend uh, of, uh, and a protege of Colonel Jeff Cooper of the United States Marine Corps. I've discussed him before, but he is probably the most uh, famous expert on defensive weaponry there is out there. So I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show. Let's get right to it and talk about uh, this article that you wrote. What inspired you to write this? Well, I've been thinking about that ever since you called me and trying to recall exactly what what uh, spurred us to, to write this particular article. But one of the things that we came across in law enforcement were victims who complied with criminals and then it didn't work out very well for them. One of the things we would hear often from a victim was, he told me if I, if I didn't resist, he wouldn't hurt me. But then, of course, he went on to do terrible things. And after seeing this over the years, I just came to the, the conclusion that people needed to think about something other than compliance. And I started doing a little bit of research and we put this, this article together. And whether you're looking at it from a, a, a national perspective or from an individual perspective, uh, we think that the the concept is is appropriate. When I was a Los Angeles police officer, I went through the police academy in 1969, and this was only a few years after 
the onion field incident. And if any of you, I'm sure many of your listeners are not familiar with this, but two L.A. police officers were taken hostage, if you will, or captured by a couple of desperate criminals. They were driven out to an onion field. Wamba wrote a book on this, and one of them was shot and murdered, and the other one escaped as they were trying to shoot him. Uh, he ended up with uh, tremendous psychological problems, and the whole thing was just a horrible, horrible, uh, the outcome was terrible. And the result of this was that the Los Angeles Police Department made a formal policy that, in fact, you will never surrender your guns or yourself to a criminal. And the way it was explained to me when I was a young recruit in the police academy, if a, if a criminal sticks a double-barrel shotgun in your stomach and says, drop your gun, you will draw and fight. It's just as plain and simple as that. If you die on the spot, then so be it. But they're not going to take you off somewhere and torture you to death. And well, let, me, let me interject on that one because that is not um, the advice that police officers give civilians <laughs> if we're faced with such a threat, is it? Well, I think that there, there's two reasons why law enforcement officials tell people not to resist a criminal. Number one, all government agencies derive their power from dependence. They foster dependence. And, and consequently, if you, have a, if you have an armed population who is armed and trained and prepared to defend themselves, they are less dependent on government. And the other reason that police administrators don't advise citizens to resist a criminal is because they don't want, if, let's say that the, um, uh, the police chief tells the people in his community, you know, resist. Somebody resists and it doesn't work out well for them. They become badly injured or, or even killed. Then the, that administrator is going to be concerned that he may have some liability, some civil liability. Two good points. Follow the money. Uh, and, you know, speaking of Colonel Cooper, I mentioned your connection with him earlier. What, what is it that he said in this regard? He said, if we are ever going to fight these people, the criminals do not fear law enforcement. They don't fear judges, juries. They don't fear the law. If we are ever to become more safe, what we need to do is teach them to fear their intended victims. Absolutely. I, let's, I heartily agree. <laughs> it seems let's so get a little bit into now the, the meat and potatoes here of this article. You kick it off in, uh, with the first, with four phases of surrender. To me, the first two really go hand in hand, so you probably flipped a coin, I don't know, to pick which one was one and which one is two. But let's break those down, and then let's get into some examples of how we can apply these four stages of surrender. I'll let you run with that. Well, the first phase is failing to be armed, trained, and committed to fight. You can be armed and have received some professional firearm training. If you're not committed to fight, then you're not going to do. You're not going to react in time. The window is going to be very small. If someone tries to kill you or take you prisoner for whatever purpose, you're only going to have a couple of seconds, maybe two, three seconds. And if you are not already determined as to what you're going to do in that situation. If you haven't already made that decision, by the time you get done debating it with yourself and deciding you really you are in trouble, the opportunity to resist will be pretty much gone. So 
The first thing is you have to be committed to the fight, and then part of that is you have to be armed and trained. And, of course, Jeff was the one who coined this phrase, and since then we hear a lot of people emulate this, but the phrase was, you are no more armed because you own a firearm than you are a musician because you own a violin. And this is something we have such a struggle with. People think, well, I have a gun, I'm ready to go. And that... That is, I don't know how to put that in a very short summary, but to me, the difference between knowing how to fight with a firearm because you've been professionally trained uh, versus just I own a gun and I go out and I shoot 10 cans once in a while, the difference is like the difference between riding on a 747 as a passenger and being able to fly it. I mean, it's night and day. The two things are barely related. The idea that people have that all I have to do is buy the gun and somehow magically I will become a martial artist is just not reality. Yeah, I, I don't need to know how to train. I don't need to practice because, you know, when the situation is really there, I'm going to be so amped up with adrenaline. I know I can handle it, right? You bring up two really important points. First of all, with regards to just owning a gun, even if you do train, uh, par- uh, training and these skills are perishable. Uh, if you do not keep tending to them, if you don't keep fresh, they will become stale and you might lose that. The other point I have, and this is what you got to earlier, is the mind to me, the mind is just as important, if not more, than the firearm or any other weapon you use, even if it's your thumb. Uh, if you don't have the mindset to act appropriately, you're as good as dead. Absolutely. And Jeff, was, Jeff spoke about this and wrote about this often. And he said, first and foremost, we fight with our mind. All else is some supplemental to the mind. Well, also for those that think that it's uh, it's best to just comply, I, I love a line that I read in one of his books that says, the only honorable response to criminal force is an, is an overwhelming response of counterforce, reaction of counterforce. Um, and he has a book called The Principles of Personal Defense. We can get to that later. But let's go on and get to what is stage three of surrender. Uh, that's stage three is surrendering your weapons. And I, I talked about that just a little bit when I talked about LAPD policy. And we can apply the same thing to the military in Vietnam. As an infantry sergeant fighting in South Vietnam, we knew what our fate would be should we be captured. Occasionally, one of our people would be captured and we would find their mutilated bodies. In fact, when they, when the war, early in the war, when the North Vietnamese captured our pilots, they treated them horribly, tortured them every day and that kind of thing. And it wasn't until some time into the war that they came to realize that these pilots were going to have some value to them, and they started treating them a little bit more like prisoners. But if you were an infantryman or an enlisted man captured in the South, your fate was was written. You were going to be tortured and killed. It was that simple. And that goes right along with the LAPD concept, you never give up your weapons. And my, my personal plan was that I would fight to the death. There's no way I was going to be tortured to death. And this well, is... Again, if you give up your weapons, then everything is in the hands of bad people. 
you're out of options at that point. I have a caller on the line. Her name is Lisa, and I think I'd like to take this call before we go to break. Are you okay with that, Larry? Yes, ma'am. Fantastic. Lisa, I'd like to welcome you to the Cowgirl Esquire hotline. This is the Suzanne Option on the Veritas Radio Network. Radio the way it should be. What's on your mind today? Well, not anything you guys have been talking about. Hi, Suzanne. I Lisa, can't even how speak you? to what you're talking about, but I find it very fascinating. As a as a realtor, we are placed in um, dangerous situations regularly. We have some policies oh. here at the office that we can't go and, and see a property alone if it's somebody we don't know. And we get a phone call. There's across the country. There's always been uh, realtors as sitting ducks for these kinds of things. So it's interesting to listen to, but I certainly can't speak to it. So. Yes. Well, how are you? I'm doing great. So my what, what we're going to talk, you and I are going to talk after the show, and I'm hoping you can hear all of it because I want to hear from you, and I'll catch and I'll, I'll follow up on another episode is how this show is going to change your line of thinking, how it's going to change maybe how you handle when you put yourself in these unavoidable but vulnerable positions of showing a home to a stranger. I want to thank you very much for the call. We'll hear more on this situation. Excellent. Yes. I'm- yeah curious about that. You know, we did a class several years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, uh, the police officers in Salt Lake City hosted a training for the real estate industry to talk about how to respond. And they said, you can have a gun, you can have a knife, you can have a knife, you can have mace, but but the best weapon you'll have is your intuition. And to not, especially for the women, to not feel badly when you feel unsafe and you just leave. So again, we have a policy here at the office where we won't show a property. Um, by ourselves. Well, and the good thing also about living in Utah, we're uh, very uh, free to carry either concealed or open. Thank you very much for the call. We're going to follow up on that on another episode. Larry, have you ever come across that with realtors that uh, have a situation like that? And and how how would you coax them? What would you say to them? Well, what she said brings us back to the second phase of failing to be alert. And she hit it right on the head. That officer gave her good advice to trust your instincts. Oftentimes there are warning signs, but people don't recognize them or they rationalize them away. And then it's too late. That's one of the, one of the, the well, in fact, the first principle of personal defense is alertness. You have to be alert. You have to be suspicious. You have to, uh, if something doesn't look right, you need to, investigate it. You need to come to some kind of a conclusion as to what, you know, what, what the situation really is about. So Situational really awareness is absolutely up. key. You know, I was at the City Creek Mall with my boys the other day, and my son was actually counting, and we got into double digits of how many people we saw walking around the mall, staring at their phones, playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's not even playing that game. It's it's. I see these women in the high in their high heels, spikes, and their dresses or skirts that they can barely move in, and they're staring at their phones. And they would be completely um, unaware of anybody coming up to them. I try and tell people, look, when you're walking, be aware of your surroundings. Look even in windows that have a reflection. See who's behind you. Know who's around you. At all time, at all times, we're going to continue after this break. We'll finish up with the fourth phase and get into some actual 
uh, instances of where surrender did not fail and how we can actually deal with some very unpleasant situations if they happen to us personally. We'll take uh, some cases that we'll discuss and apply them to our own scenarios. If you like what you're hearing on the Crusade Channel, why not support us and become a Founders Pass member today and gain instant streaming and download access to every episode of this show and all the others on the Crusade Channel, including Mark Kressland's Reverse Deception, My Story of America. You can subscribe to the Founders Pass for as little as 23 cents a day. You can choose between a monthly or a yearly membership and during July, meaning time's running out, for every yearly membership, we'll ship you an autographed copy of Humility of Heart, signed by this new edition's editor, our very own Mike Church, for free. Also, as a special free gift, we're offering beautiful handmade wooden kitchen cutting boards from our sponsor, McClureBlock.com. If you become a founding brother or crusader member or make a $500 cash donation to our monthly crowdfunding campaign, please join our crusade today and become a founders past member by going to veritasradionetwork.com forward slash join or you can call 866-483-3833 want to thank again james t england for becoming our founders uh, member as well we're going to be back after the break this is the suzanne option i have larry with me today of uh, marksmanship matters we'll be right back this is veritas radio network radio the way it should be 